Welcome to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett. And I'm Dr. Brett, and I'm here with Jack Kane, a financial analyst for Goldman Sachs. Hey, Jack, how are you, pal? Good, how are you? Good to be back. I, I know it's been a while since we uh, were able to talk, but excited to be here. Oh, no, I haven't, seen your, I haven't seen your face in years, so this is a lot of fun. But you're not just a financial analyst for, for, uh, analyst for Goldman Sachs. You're also a plus one golfer, and you got a real story here. So jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your background as a golfer and, and how you made some of the decisions you've ha you have. Yeah, no, it's uh, some of those decisions have been forced on me, but uh, I think I'm better for it in the end. But I uh, grew up in Connecticut. As you know, I, uh, I worked with you for a while as my sports psychologist playing competitive golf up in New England and around that area. So had some success there, was looking in the college recruiting space, and then uh, everything kind of changed when I fell asleep while driving. Do not recommend doing it. Had a significant back injury, and I actually it was one of two back injuries I had uh, I. I uh, experienced and it kind of derailed any opportunities I had to play college golf. I can still play every day, uh, but I can't play 36 holes in a day, which is what's wow. what, what happened. You know, what happened in that injury? I don't remember. I think the injury happened after we stopped talking. So take us through, you know, you fell asleep and then what happened? Yeah. So I, uh, it, Everyone always asked me, like, oh, was it drugs, alcohol? And it was just yeah, really burning both sides of the candle. I was waking up early, right. getting to the gym, and then I was studying late. It was finals week in high school, and right. I was on the highway. Highway started to turn a little bit to the right. I fell asleep, nodded off, and kept going straight, hit the catch oh. wire, and just rolled. And it was uh, – it was tough. So I had a compression fracture from L3, L3, L4 vertebrae and herniated the disc and then a pretty nasty concussion. So, uh, wow. I know it, it was tough, but, uh, my mom's a physical therapist. So I had, uh, had the best mom I could. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So this was already on the back of a previous injury to the same spot where I was body surfing and kind of just got pinned down in my back. Again, kind of scorpioned in the exact same spot. So it was wow. It was tough, frustrating for sure, especially after working so hard to try to get back to that place. But um, and so the previous game plan, Jack, was to play golf. You know, D one golf was that yeah. the game plan? Yeah. So where were you? Good. Yeah. yeah. Where were you headed to school and how did that change? Yeah, looking at a few spots, and I mean, it's it's really tough to look back now and, and try to forecast where I would have played or, or where I would have committed to. But I mean, I was looking at schools in the Northeast, but then also trying to balance, okay, do I want the best golf school or do I want the best academic school? Do I want to try to let my golf help me get into a better school? Um, so I was trying to balance that. I was looking at some schools in the Midwest Notre Dame, which is kind of funny, I actually, and we'll get to it, but in a very circular path to get there, but that's where I ended up uh, in the end. Uh, but I looked at Bentley really closely because I really liked their business school, had a, had a good golf team that, I mean, very competitive for Division II. Um, but yeah, really, unfortunately, those decisions got pulled away from me uh, before I had the chance to make them. But the... Uh, one thing I will, I will I will never regret my junior golf career and the way it ended because I did go out on a high note. So despite all of these coaches kind of dissipating and, and interest drying up, 
I uh, I played this tournament out at Pebble Beach. It's called. It was at the time. It was called the Nature Valley First Tee Open. So I was a member of the First Tee, great junior golf organization for a while, almost a decade, and uh, right. It gave me some fantastic opportunities. But long story short, there I got to play three rounds at or two rounds at Pebble Beach, one at Poppy Hills, and on the last day I was paired with Tom Watson. And, uh, no way! That's so I mean, amazing. Just the absolute definition of a gentleman, the wow. coolest guy, and I played one of the best rounds of my life. Birdie six of my first seven holes, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And so let me guess. So that means you basically outplayed Tom Watson. <laughs> I don't want to put it that way, but the uh, oh, I you played six, six of the first seven, seven holes. There's no way you did that. Yeah. I mean, I was up on him there, but uh, we were having some fun. I almost made my first hole and one on the seventh hole. And uh, that's crazy. It was funny. Did you actually out? Did you, you actually outscore him that day? Yeah, you must have. So it was the it was the best ball, but we everyone played their own balls in. So I was paired up with David Frost. Um, but on my own card, I I think I got him by one on uh, on the last day, which was really cool. But. That's pretty incredible. How many people on this planet can say they outplayed um, Tom Watson? I'm telling you, there were a lot of people there. I mean, that was probably the most scared. I was so nervous. On the first tee, it took me two or three times to try to tee the ball up, but my hands were shaking so much. <laughs> and uh, That's, that's amazing. amazing. What, what did you do? You know, you know, I've, I've got, got a couple fun stories. stories. Like, like, I, I nailed the drive. Jim Nance like, was a member at Sandwich in Greenwich, Connecticut, right? And like I met him on the putting green. He's such a generous guy. He literally offered me his member number because I'd run into him in Westport, Connecticut at the organic market so many times that he recognized me. He offers me his member number on the putting green. And um, of course, I'm like, you know, no way. I'm not going to do that. But then when he saw me, when I was about to tee off, he goes, do you mind if I do the commentary? Jim Nance for CBS Sports. And I'm like, I'm like, literally... I nailed the three wood, like 240, right down the middle, right in front of Jim Nance as he does his count commentary. I walked down the fairway, and then I chunked my wedge shot because of the pressure was off. With the pressure off, right? It's like, and I've done other things like that. I played with Byron Scott a couple times and also nailed those first drives. But how did you handle the the pressure of that first drive with your hands shaking, barely being able to tee up the ball. Yeah, so I've always found, and I love I love reading golf books about the mind and the way the mind works. Bob Rattel is one of my favorite golf op. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, really great players in the most pressure, the, when the pressure's the highest, they lean on their pre-shot routine. And that's really in that moment after I keep the ball, because that was not part of the routine. Usually that's, that's fine. So it was just getting behind the ball and visualizing what I wanted to happen. Yeah. And really painting that picture in my head. Um, I really like to pick the smallest target I can actually see. So wow. I like to pick something in the distance, like a tree. And okay, on that tree, I want to pick that branch. And if you, in my experience, when I aim small, I miss small. And um, wow. And really just, just letting it go. I mean, I've hit probably in my lifetime millions of golf balls. And wow. to prepare me for that moment, just trusting it, just letting it go, having fun. And that's what I always had to remind myself is, you know, stay in the moment. Like I'm not going to – I could blink and wake up. And sometimes it does feel like a dream that I 
performed like that on the highest level, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. After the first hole, I had a scramble to make par. Then I kind of settled in. I, uh, on the second hole, pulled out from the bunker for birdie, but that was not ideal. Cause again, par five, the second hole is a par five at Pebble Beach. You right. really don't want your fourth shot coming from the bunker. Um, but after, after that, I mean, we had a big gallery and everything too. And this is, this is completely foreign experience to me. I, I've never played in front of this many people before. Um, but yeah, trying to just, just trust myself and have confidence in my game. But then also in those moments, sticking to that pre-shot routine that I've developed and visualizing the target has definitely uh, been a, been a uh, roadmap for success for me in the past. You know, I love it because this also reminds me of like, you know, I'm, the difference is I'm like a once a week golfer and I almost never practice. But when I played with Byron Scott in L.A. at Riviera, right, I nailed that first tee shot. You know, it's that elevated tee. They announce your name and everything, which is pretty wild. And then I nailed that first tee shot. Then I got like sort of on the second shot, I pulled it into the sand trap on the left because I don't have the distance to go to a green and two, even though it's a short hole for, for the pros or for anybody that hits the ball long. And so I'm in that trap on the left fairway and I hit a lob wedge to 10 feet from 90 yards. And so I was able to sort of, and then I lipped out on the birdie putt. He just made, you know, he was on in two and, and two, you know, and basically two putted for a birdie. It was an easy hole for him for a longer hitter, but it was that same kind of thing where you just bring the focus back, right? You just, you're able to just come back in the moment and sort of let go of everything around you and see the shot that you want to hit. What do you, you know, how is that part of your life now? How do you take this into Goldman Sachs and, you know, we'll, we'll come back into more golf here, but yeah. So real quick, before I forget for golf, for me, I like to try to ground myself in moments. Like when I'm walking down a fairway, I like to trace trees with my eyes. If I can to just try to stay present and ground myself in that moment. And I, I do that, especially when I'm not playing well, when I am playing well, I kind of just let it go. Just find that zone and stick with it. See how long we can stretch it out. Um, and when we get into that stretch, but then now taking it into, okay, not competing playing golf anymore. And now how do I, how do I approach golf from a business setting, from an enjoyment setting? And it is definitely hard going from that competition mindset to enjoying a weekend round with some friends. And uh, it is a transition that I've had to make and to try to lower some of the expectations for myself. But <clears throat> for golf, I've always had such high standards for myself and trying to take those standards and the lessons I've learned from the game that some days you're going to show up for the course. You're not going to have it, but you got to battle through grind through lean on the things that you do have to, to put a good number on the card. And then same, same goes for at work. I mean, yes, I'm not going to know, I'm not going to know all the answers, but I know who to lean on for those answers if I need help. And uh, I think that that's what it makes a great employee, someone that knows their strengths, but recognizes their weaknesses and recognizes the strengths of the people around them and taps into them so that everyone is better for it. Yeah, what an awesome attitude you have, Jack. It's an absolute pleasure to see you again and to be talking to you again. It's literally it's got to be like 10 years or something. I don't it's been a long time. What's, What's that? that? Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it's been so long. So you were in Tampa for a while. Where'd you do? Where'd you do college? Where'd you do undergrad? 
So I, so I moved to Tampa about six years ago now. And uh, my freshman year, I went to Elon University, North Carolina. And I enjoyed it there, beautiful campus. But I just, I wanted something that I think, I, at that point, I kind of knew what I wanted to do with my career. And I needed a bit of a, a they call it a target school, something that maybe a bigger name, more recon, recognition. So I applied and looked at some schools. So I was really deciding between NYU, Vanderbilt, and Notre Dame, and ended up going to Notre Dame. And it's funny, actually. So when I got to Elon, I didn't really have a direction because for me, golf had always been my direction. Golf is right. Now, if you take one of those away, I have a, I had a whole lot more time. So almost on a whim, one of my friends is like, oh, try cheerleading. And I said, cheerleading, okay, sure. He's like, you know, I'll go for a practice. Screw it, let's try it. And wow, did I not expect that. Um, so just for some background, my mom was a college gymnast and ended up cheering for the Patriots for a few years. And wow. I kind of always joked with her about it. And then now, fast forward, I was a college cheerleader for four years. And I so at Elon, that's where I kind of started it up. And then when I was looking at different schools, cheerleading actually played a role in, in my decision. So I went to Notre Dame and uh, fantastic education, had a great experience there, great people. But I'm not going to lie, running the Notre Dame football team out of the tunnel was is probably up there with the coolest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> have you ever played football in your life did you ever like you know before you not to, the, not to the level of this i mean these guys were just are awesome and, they're, and, the, and the they're thing that i really um what gave me what, what inspired me was that these these guys it's funny how college sports shines a light on the athlete that they've never seen before so uh, case in point, I sat next to uh, Cole Komet and um, Brock Wright and Ian Book in one of my early classes in the business school. So Ian's been our starting quarterback for the past few years. Cole was drafted in the first round this year by the Bears. Like guys that were coming in as recruits. Okay, now they have to earn everything. They have to earn their name, earn their playing time, but just saying so humble and in that, okay, they were nobody before. And then, yes, okay, great high school careers. But at Notre Dame, they hadn't made a name for themselves yet. But after they made a name for themselves, staying humble and staying true to who they are, that's what was inspiring. It's like, okay, now you've, you've blown up. You have hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. What are you going to do with that platform? And, and making a positive change and, and pushing for positive change in our community is, is definitely something that, I was inspired by, and I'm 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 glad I can call them friends. Awesome, man! I really that sounds amazing. What was cheerleading like? I know George Bush, right? Former president of the United States was a cheerleader, right? What was it like? <laughs> so, cheerleading, I I don't know how the girls do it. I don't know how they trust us because, uh, frankly, I would not trust me uh, <laughs> to try to throw another human being in the air and then catch them on one hand or to spin in the air to do a backflip up in the air crazy stuff but it, it that is the true definition of teamwork and i have and trust in your partner and i think that prepares prepared me well for life because again golf yes you're even on a team setting you have to rely on each other but when you're out there you're playing as an individual and even if you're playing for a team 
But with cheerleading, it was a shift for me because if I don't do my job, someone else gets hurt. And yeah. that was that was a tough thing for me to understand. And um and until I to grasp. And then all of a sudden to try to to do those things with the pressure on in front of eighty thousand people, not even exaggerating, eighty thousand people at a football game. It was uh it was tough. And that, those were the biggest mental challenges of my life. I'm not the 10 footers for a tournament, but trying to someone else putting that trust in your hands and uh and, and you having to perform. You know, it's pretty amazing to hear that like even the cheerleaders are feeling the stress and the pressure. You got eighty thousand people. We don't really think of it that way, right? Normally we're thinking about the football game, not the stress the cheerleader is experiencing. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, and, and you're spot on because nobody notices the cheerleaders until someone falls. And, totally. And that's exactly it. It's like no one's here to see us. But if something happens and someone falls, everyone sees us and everyone oohs yeah. and ahs. So now, that's the thing. Total, totally. Now, how do you go from a, like a serious back injury to throwing girls in the air without wrecking your back again? How's that work? Yeah, so for me, my issue was the rotational stress from golf on that low point in my back, whereas cheerleading was more of a, a pressure, like a, ver a compression. And I actually, Got it. Uh, it's funny, I ended up having a back injury for cheerleading too. So that was great. But uh, for me, it's wow. just a... I've had to focus a lot on my body and to sort of tune mm -hmm. everything. Um, it, it was, it was crazy. I came in after I was one of the best guys on the team at Elon. And I honestly, I was, I was cocky. I came in, I was like, Oh, I'm hot stuff. And thought I was going to, I was going to be one of the best cheerleaders. Wow. Got a reality check. We had a completely different level of program at Notre Dame. And I was one of the smallest guys. So wow. pushing myself to get bigger, get stronger, put on as much weight as I can. Um, mentally, that was tough because I'd never, like I was probably 185, 190 pounds, not probably 180 pounds uh, after my freshman year. And then came in another Dame and it was just put on weight, get bigger, get stronger. The higher you could throw a girl, the better you are. And my weight ended up actually getting out of control. So that was a tough mental strain for me. So at the end of uh, actually January this year, so got bigger, got stronger. I was all the way up to 260 pounds. And no way. So it sounds like you went from cheerleader to offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but the thing was, I became a better cheerleader because I got bigger and stronger. And, right. But after cheerleading ended, I had to shift my focus back to, okay, let's get healthy for life. And that was, yeah. and that was tough. And I've made a commitment to that. And as of this morning, I'm 208 pounds. So yeah, you look good. I don't see 260. I'm not looking at your body, but I'm not seeing 260 in your face. That's for sure. Down 52 pounds from that point. So it's now what are you, what are you doing? Just mostly, you know, cut the crap carbs and stuff. You on protein and so I do intermittent fasting. So during the week, right. I won't eat breakfast. Usually, I don't eat breakfast. I'll I'll start my first meal will be at lunch, and on the weekends I eat my normal meals. It's been pretty straightforward. I eat what I like what I want, but uh, during the week I I eat freshlies. Those uh, they're like pre-made meals. I put them in the uh, microwave for three minutes. They're fantastic. And then in the morning, this has been tough. I've been getting up to do F45 
glasses. So it's like a version of Orange Theory. And um, it is brutal. It is high intensity interval training and it kicks my butt. Did it this morning and then went out, went out and played around the golf today. So it was, uh, it's tough, but building it into my daily routine is, uh, it's been part of it. And I, I almost look at it as an extension of work. Okay, got this awesome. is my job, taking care of business and um, seeing the results. And it's uh, inspiring. Now, you said you're, you, Jack, you said you're a plus one golfer. You're, are you, you're a plus one at the moment? So right now I'm a plus 2.1. So actually quarantine has, uh, has helped my golf game. And uh, I mean, I've never, I, I don't remember the last time I've been able to play every day. Um, before work started, I, was, I could spend as much time as I wanted to over there. Shot my first bogey-free round of golf, actually, during quarantine. Um, so I'm right across the street from DPC Tampa Bay. And uh, it's, it, it, was, that was, it was nice to get back to that, almost competing against myself, but enjoying the process. And I think if more people took that approach to golf and didn't have the same expectations for themselves, because believe me, I feel like I've earned the right to have high expectations. But understanding that I'm not going to be perfect every round. I'm going to hit bad shots, but to, not to make two mistakes in a row. Because if I make right. two mistakes in a row, that's when you put a crooked number up. But yeah, yeah. today I didn't really have it. I kind of just battled through, but I shot 73 just because I was leaning on my short game, making just making some of those shorter putts and not getting into trouble off the tee. Um, again, if I bring it to the course, I'll take a different approach. I'll start attacking flags. But when you don't, you just kind of have to learn how to manage things while not getting too out of sorts mentally. And try, like the worst thing and the biggest piece of advice I could give to the average golfer is once you get on the course, you should have no swing thoughts. Just aim at a target, whether it's a tree or that bunker over there, and just hit it at it. This game is hard enough. Just simplify it. And I, I know it's people always say, oh, it's easy for you to say. But to me, that's part of what makes me a, a good golfer is that I can completely block those things out and almost clear mm. clear all the thoughts out of my head and just focus on my target. Like you can do yeah, that. You know, that's that's, that's wonderful, Jack. But there's a lot of people that struggle with head-based stuff, right? A lot of people overthink, yeah. right? right? So the ability to sort of you know, empty your mind and have no swing thoughts is brilliant. That's pretty much where the direction I go as well. But what do you say for somebody that like is a, you know, a big time thinker? Do you yeah. teach them to, are you a meditator? What do you do to how to empty your mind? So great question. So one thing is I, I, and I'm a thinker too. I actually used to have a lot of bad thoughts over the ball and it was, it was crippling almost over the <laughs> Totally. Yeah, you're like, oh, where's it going? Oh, oh no. And then it's it's self-fulfilling. It's like, oh, the water's over there. Don't hit it in the water. Then splash, middle of the lake. Um, so what I built into my pre-shot routine is when I'm standing behind the ball and visualizing the target, when I go to step into the ball, I draw a line behind it. It's like, just, just drag my club across. Across this line, I'm not allowed to have any thoughts except the target. I can have all the thoughts in the world behind it, acknowledging okay there's water left this is our target to adjust for that but once we cross that line it's all locked in on the target and if i don't if i if a thought creeps into my head step back do it again and here's what's going to happen you're going to step away a lot early on 
But the as the more you stay disciplined with it, the fewer times you'll step away. And then yeah, as you mentioned with the meditation every day. So I on my Apple Watch on the corner here, I have my Breathe app, and it's guided breathing, and it helps me ground myself. So before around, if I'm sitting in the car, I'll just click it two minutes, just get my heart rate under control, ground myself, and get myself in a good mental headspace before around. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I love it. You know, I, I often say, you know, because I've taught so many people to meditate and I teach a very simple one where you close your eyes and you pick up the breath. You pay attention to the in-breath, the out-breath, one or the other or both. When thoughts come, you're not trying to control the thought. You're simply coming back to the breath. And then for anybody that knows golf, I say in golf, there's almost always going to be water left or out of bounds right. What we're doing is we're bringing our focus back to the breath. And, you know, the funny part of the equation is if uh, it's not always if you're worried about water, you might hit it out of bounds. It might be the dead opposite, as you know. Right. It's like you just know that when your mind goes to something you don't want, you might you're going to get more of what you don't want. But sometimes it's a dead opposite. <laughs> Thinking in the affirmative versus trying to, oh, let's not do this. No, how about right. let's hit it here instead of don't yeah. miss this putt. How about we think of, okay, I, right center, firm. I want to hit it in there. It's like center cup. I try to, putting is a big part of everyone's game that I think a lot of people struggle with that they could, be, they spend a lot of time beating balls on the range. You want to get better? Putt. And totally. piece of advice I have for putting I'm taking this from Bob Rotella's book, Putting Out of Your Mind. It's um, putt to make everything. So one of the most toxic things that I think people say is, oh, left it short again and saying, oh, wow, like, oh, you're soft. You're not like you're not a man because you didn't get the hole, whatever that is. But it, it doesn't matter whether you are a foot short or a foot long. You're missed the putt. OK, the next putt's the same way. Um, Putt to make everything. Don't beat yourself up because you missed a putt. It's going to happen. There are so many things that are not, you don't have control of. So control the things you can control. Control what you're thinking about. Control your pre-shot routine. Control your stance, your, your setup. And then just let it go. I mean, if you, can if you can catch a golf ball, if you can throw a golf ball, you can putt. It's really not that difficult. And that's what makes it so maddening is that, it's not a physically daunting task. It's simple, but it's just, it's, it, it gets to people. So just to enjoy it and be okay, be content with, okay, I did everything I can. I did everything I could to make that putt, but you know what? Maybe hit an imperfection in the green. You know what? Let's move on. And man, let me tell you, Dr. Brett, it has taken me a long time to get there. So for anyone out there, if that doesn't come to you, that first round, the second round, if you feel like I hate my putter, it's going to happen. But you need to fall in love with your putter. Fall in love with every club of your, within your bag if you can, but especially your putter. Focus on your putter. I love it. I love it. You have such an amazing attitude, Jack. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm just smiling a lot because, like, you know, the bang-up attitude thing isn't, you know, isn't always that common, right? So how do you handle people that have a crappy attitude? <laughs> no, that's a great point because believe me, it happens. So I'll give you a, a, a case in point today. So playing with my family out there, my mom, my dad, and my sister. All right, when you put when you put my mom, my sister in a cart, and my dad and I in a cart, 
there's going to be, so we're talking back and forth. We're competing. We have like, we're playing uh, like partners in the cards, then cross, but not everyone at my mom doesn't get to play golf that much. So sometimes she doesn't have the best attitude, but uh, first, the first thing I like to say is, Hey, you haven't earned the right to be mad to play when you're playing golf. You don't spend enough time out here. There are people that do this all day long that, that they do have the right to get mad, but sometimes that doesn't work. So no, sometimes it doesn't. Exactly. And, and everyone, you're going to get frustrated. You spend time, you spend energy, you spend money on the game. It doesn't work out. It's not fun, but finding the enjoyment. And here's the thing in the, in the grand scheme of things, you're having a, a, you're a beautiful walk or a ride through nature that, and being surrounded by some of the most beautiful scenery out there. Enjoy the presence of the people around you. If you're by yourself, just taking a second, hearing the birds chirping, enjoying that you're not sitting at your desk that day or that you're stuck in traffic. You're enjoy the moment. I mean, if, even when I get rained on, which in Florida happens more, more than most places, I, I sit in my car and I'm just like, hey, at least I'm not stuck in traffic. At least I'm not here. At least I'm not at my desk. And appreciating the moment for what it is. And it's golf is kind of an escape from reality. Um, oh, it's an amazing game for a million reasons. I mean, you're you're highlighting some of those reasons. Um, again, your at, your attitude is absolutely phenomenal. Um, that uh, isn't always the case. It's really amazing. Like the appreciation for life. It's way beyond golf. It sounds like you've figured out how to appreciate almost every aspect of life. Was some of the injuries part of that? Or, yeah. you know, how'd you develop such a crazy, awesome attitude? Yeah, because, I mean, especially with golf, is I'm not borrowed time with golf. Like, my back, it's not, not good. I mean, I mean I've mean, i worked hard to, to get it as, as strong as I can, working on my core, trying to stabilize it. But I can't turn as much as I used to. And I'm 22 years old. That shouldn't really happen. But I am enjoying as golf as long as I can, enjoying everything as long as I can. Because again, you never know when you're going to fall asleep behind the wheel and something's going to be taken away from you. But it's about taking that opportunity that maybe, okay, something was taken away, but what's out there for you? What door just opened? And I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be where I am as far as my career if it weren't for those back injuries. Because I probably wouldn't have ended up where I was I wouldn't have been a cheerleader. And then the, right. I, as a cheerleader, I met a few people that helped me network. So everything happens for a reason, whether it's good or bad. And believe me, sometimes it is really tough to find why did this happen to me? Um, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's humbling and it's, it gives you, it definitely makes you take another perspective and, and, and really consider the privileges you have and the things that the luxuries that are afforded to you in life sometimes and to appreciate them that 18 holes of golf there are people out there that are don't know where their next meal is coming from so appreciate so what you have and you know what so what you missed a you missed a six footer on the last hole to break 80 sucks because everyone wants to but again enjoy the moment for what it was what it is and be excited to come back and try it again the next time I love it, Jack. It's phenomenal. What are you curious about? You know, you and I haven't talked in forever. What are you curious about? What do you want to ask me? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, so you've been bouncing around everywhere. Go. So last time I checked it, you moved out to California, Arizona, was it? Or somewhere in the desert? And then like, <laughs> you're now to Florida. Like, what's going on? What's prompting all the moves? Uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear. You know, so we're pretty stable at the moment. You know, I've got our family is, um, my wife is Thai. I lived internationally for a while. I lived in Beijing and I lived in Bangkok. So I have a Thai wife. Um, I met her on a blind date in Bangkok three years ago. And she's like, you know, I just knew on the first day, like I had that feeling. And yeah. I told a lot of people that if this woman could stay present with me, I'm going to marry her. And the metaphor in your world, like which you're practicing all the time is present moment time. But we both know that, you know, in experiences in relationships, people do self-sabotage. They do it in golf. They do it in life. And so that's why I did that little metaphor of if she could stay present with me. And then the other metaphor that I used, because once she did, and I knew we, we, you know, we had game on, we flew three months later into LAX from Bangkok, and then we drove cross country. And then I told everybody, because I'm, I like to share, you know that about me, right? Yeah, but we haven't talked in a while, but I love to share. I like the story tell. So I told like everybody that don't marry a soul. And Jack, you know, you're, you're young, so this will be great advice. Don't marry a soul until you drive cross country with them. Because for 10 days, we did a 10 day trip. You know, I took her through Vegas. I took her through Santa Fe. I, we did two nights in Caesar Palace just to have the experience, right? And then we did two nights in Santa Fe because I used to live there. At one point I lived in Santa Fe. And then one of the athletes I was coaching was at Vanderbilt. So we stopped there. Then there was another athlete in North Carolina. So we stopped there. And then I had somebody that I was working with in Bethesda, Maryland on the way back. So this trip was amazing. And I say, she was amazing and I was pretty good most of the time, right? <laughs> and so that's, you know, <laughs> exactly. And then we wound up in Connecticut for a while. We drove cross country after nine months in Connecticut because, you know, my base tends to come from Connecticut wherever I live. You know, I ran the full business from China and Thailand because I have that kind of drive and commitment like you you clearly have a huge commitment to excellence i have that same commitment and when your commitment is so high you know there are things that you can do that are more creative and a little bit more out of the box um so yeah so we wound up in connecticut for a while then we drove to california lived in the desert for a year and then my intuition was like really strong it's time to go you know california has a lot of issues and it just didn't feel like, you know, my love affair, I still, it's an amazing state, but my love affair sort of ended. And I wanted, you know, as I got older, I wanted something a little bit easier, meaning no state taxes, closer to Connecticut, you know, water everywhere. So this has been a pleasure, this, this, this um, being this close to the ocean. Right now we're 600 yards from the ocean. So I hop in every day. Tough life. How long have you been in Tampa, by the way? Yeah, so I've been here about six years now. I and, and wow. real quick, I still remember and, and and this the attitude that I have was not something that I just woke up with and boom. It was developed and it came through hard work, through the meditation, through the practice, and developing those mental muscles that people think, oh wow, he's He's mentally strong. Okay, if mentally strong comes from mentally working out. And I still remember that in some of our sessions, we would talk about, okay, how can you find those opportunities to ground yourself in the most random times? 
And now I still find myself drowning myself when I'm in traffic is coming back to the moment instead of zoning out and being present. And that's something that uh, being present has helped me live my life with a uh, definitely a greater, a greater sense of passion. And uh, yeah, and you know, look, I mean, I really appreciate you sharing that, Jack, because that's obviously the core of what I'm teaching. You know, almost all these athletes were always going, look, off the field is sometimes even more important than on the field because you're building the muscle of present moment time for the performance when you need it, right? So it's, yeah, yeah so, so this, this present moment time thing is just, it's the way to go. Always sort of bringing your focus back into the moment, whether you're in traffic, I mean, that's a great example, right? Because traffic is like one of my pet peeves in life. And so I'm reminding myself all the time, when I'm in traffic, come back in the moment, right? yeah. do something fun. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. And then I, I like to, uh, to take the analogy of like, okay, I practice like I'm playing in a tournament. But when I'm playing right. in a tournament, I, play, I like to play like I practice. So yeah. not, not putting pressure is, is, is artificially created. There is no such thing as pressure. You create pressure in your own mind. Of course, not going to say that my hand not being able to tee the ball up on the first tee that shows you everybody feels pressure. Okay, Tiger totally. Woods feels pressure. Um, but it's, it's trusting in yourself that you put the preparation, you put those hours and you put that work in that you're going to be fine. You're going to perform at that level and just going out there and enjoying the moment, which is what you should do when you practice. But I try to zone in a little bit more when I practice, practicing with a purpose, whether I'm on the driving range, trying to play. I like to play virtual holes in my head um, instead of just beating balls. I'll say, okay, I got a part. I'll, I'll go back to a hole that I played, visualize it in my head, give myself a, a imaginary fairway and I'll play nine, 18 holes on the driving range. And it prepares me for when I do have a hole in front of me and I do see water there. It's just a, it's just a basically playing those imaginary holes in real life. So it's uh, yeah, no, I love it. I mean, you're using visualization creatively and often. What do you say, Jack, though, to people that would tell you, well, I, I you know, I've tried, I, I can't really visualize, yeah. you know, what, what do you say to people like that? Yeah, I see with that again, comes through practice and letting go and letting go. And see the funny thing about golf, and this is, and again, drives me insane sometimes is the more you let go, the more control you get. And it's yeah. so strange. It's giving up control to gain control and visualizing. It's tough. I actually can't see the golf ball in the air. Some people, okay. Can see yeah. the imaginary golf ball, how they want it to fly. I don't really do that very well. And all I try to do, everybody can see the target though. Everyone can see the tree and by locking in on that tree and just focusing right there even if you don't see those imaginary lines going through the air if you can lock in on a target and just continue to focus paint that a mental picture is different than trying to imagine where the ball is going to go a mental picture is the last my last thought before i take the club back i look at the, the look at the target and then i look down and then i go because that's the last thing i see in my head is just where i want to hit it just that target um, I have some friends that are fortunate enough that, I mean, it almost seems like a Jedi mind trick. They can see the ball, whether it's putting or 
uh, hitting full swing right. shots. I can't. So visualizing comes differently for different people and it's easier for different people. Um, but those, those like, again, those incredible stories people hear about like zoning in and hitting the ball a certain way and, and knowing it's going there. That's not, that's not commonplace. So don't get discouraged just because you don't necessarily see something, just trust yourself and, and sort of play to your strengths and your abilities. Yeah, so it sounds like you spent a lot of time sort of figuring out who you are, like what you're, what you're good, you know, what you're good at, and 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 what you're not, and just sort of trusting your instincts. Yeah, I mean, and believe me, it is, it is tough to be sort of self-reflective, and it, it's come through. Oh man, it it really it, it comes from a, a realization that like you know what you're not the best. And, and frankly, it's very, very hard to ever be the best at something, to be the number one best person out there at something. And for me, coming to terms with that was, was huge because one, accepting that, okay, I understand I'm not always going to be the best at something, but pushing myself to be better at things each and every day, just making the tiny change each day to get better, whether it's at work or on a golf course, really pushes me to, to try to achieve a little bit more every day. Um, but I, growing up, I was cocky as hell. I mean, I was arrogant and it was, it was tough, but just grounding yourself and understanding that in the, at the end, like looking back on it here, that junior golf tournament or that practice round you're playing or that Sunday round, whatever the meaning is, whether it's Sunday at the masters, it's not going to define who you are as a person and that's not going to make you, you choose how to define yourself and, and how others are going to know you. People don't remember what you do. They remember how you make them feel. And yeah, that's, that's something that I've, I've had to come to terms with because I didn't always care how other people felt and right. understanding that that's what matters in life, not what you do all the time. But how you make people feel, the way you do things is more important. You know, uh, Jack, I can't help myself but think that if you decide to, like, retire at 25 from Goldman Sachs, <laughs> that you could definitely have a career as a sports psychologist in a heartbeat. Like, I don't I've know never, if I have the patience for all the school. <laughs> What's that? I don't know if I have the patience to go through all the schooling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to. I mean, just call yourself a life coach and a, a mental game coach. I mean, this is like, I don't think I've ever seen a better attitude in a 22-year-old in my entire life. I mean, this is a... It, I, it was not something, again, for everyone who thinks that like, oh yeah, he just like woke up and, and, and pees happiness and rainbows. That's not it. I have bad <laughs> days too. It's just about understanding that bad things are going to happen. It's how you react totally. to them. And totally. Hey, let me ask you a question here. Are you in a relationship? No. So actually I, okay. and it's, it's funny because for me, I, I feel right now I am bettering myself so that I can be more faithful, a better husband, a better man going forward and understand you have to really understand yourself, I think, and love yourself before you can really commit yourself fully to another person. No, I mean, and that look, Jack, and that's phenomenal, and I totally agree with you. But earlier, you mentioned about how important it is in golf, 
and in life to learn how to let go and not do control, right? And so my first thought oh, was, yeah. you're in a relationship in the future, you better practice that, pal. That's my first thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm right? Right. I've heard from a lot of people that uh, letting go and, and allowing other th little things to totally. go. Uh, totally. You, you fall in love with a girl and she decides, you know what, Jack, I kind of want to sleep with another guy. And then you got to let go, go Let that go. I mean, it's tough. <laughs> I don't know. We'll call, hopefully I no control. Right? right? I'm going to call. I'm going to hold you to this, yeah, Jack. We might have to do another episode after that. <laughs> 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 and I'm not saying, look, look, you're well equipped to pull this off because you've got, you know, you're so grounded in the mental game and you put so much time and energy and focus into this that I believe that you have a 70 or 80 percent chance of, of pulling this off the first time. But there's at least a 10 or 20 percent chance that you're going to be like, how do I do this? I don't know. But you know, what? I'm just going to try to go into things and commit to something and, and that was the thing in the past i've had trouble committing to things and it's funny it comes across things whether it's whether it's a relationship whether it's whether it's a specific, like a, a task like a long project or whether it's standing over that left to right putt down the hill and committing right. to your line like those it goes all the way through to those little the smallest things and making the small changes and creating small habits so that the bigger things become a little bit easier um, so that now that big sense of commitment and that big committing myself to someone else isn't as scary as it used to be. Wow. That's really well said. I mean, that's phenomenal advice. Again, I'm really looking forward to see how it actually plays out. <laughs> it sounds good in the head, but <laughs> I mean, this is fun. I mean, literally, you could like, you know, like forget Bob Rotella. I mean, there's Jack Kane here. I mean, this is everyone's got a plan until they uh, snap hook one in the trees or get punched in the mouth, as Mike Tyson said. Yeah, it's like you got to get punched exactly. Yeah, that reminds me of Furyk when he almost had that, you know, second U.S. Open, right? He snapped hooked one on the 18th hole, and, and I, I was rooting for him too. Bummer. Yeah. It can happen to anybody, right? Yeah, actually, you know what? And funny, funny story about perspective. So walking up the 17th hole at Pebble Beach with Tom Watson, and that's the famous hole where he chipped in on at the U.S. Open and the famous fist pump. And so we're walking up, and again, a bunch of people around us, Sunday at a tournament, and uh, I ask him, hey, got any uh, good memories at this uh, about this hole? Like any, any uh, good, good stories? And he's like, you know, I uh, snap hooked one here in the practice round into the water. So uh, it just understanding that someone who is the most accomplished, one of the most accomplished golfers had, hits those shots too, but to letting them go and kind of being able to laugh at yourself at those things. Totally. Appreciate, I don't think enough people appreciate the good shots. Every, and I, I, I definitely am uh, I sometimes have an issue with this too, where I expect the good shots. When I hit a good shot, I don't necessarily get too high. But if I hit a terrible shot, man, I am pissed. I give myself <laughs> 10, 15 seconds to be mad though, then I have to move on. Um, yeah. Trying to suppress anger is not going to be a good good pathway to success. No, and, and, and look, and then that's the perfect mental game technique there as well, right? I often say, you know, get three or four seconds to most of the kids I coach. But if it's 10 or 15 for you, that's fine. 
I mean, three or four, you release it, right? You let it out. It might be a curse word. It might be nasty. You might offend people. It is what it is. You got to get it out, right? But I'll tell you what, golf and, and what I've come to, and this is what I, I challenge everyone to do is when you go to the course and you hit a bad tee shot or you hit a bad approach shot, that's when golf gets fun is when you get those shots that you've never practiced before. Let's see how I can get creative and try to hit this one close to the green or hit this one on the green, whether it's, I have to hit it around this tree or under this. That's what I enjoy. I mean, it's going to sound pretty, pretty stupid, but sometimes it gets boring hitting it in the fairway, then hitting on the green, then two putting like those challenges are what makes golf so fun. I mean, there are so many, I like to see all the real estate. Um, hopefully the short grass, but, uh, if I find myself in the trees using that as an opportunity, Hey, this is when I really need to buckle down, stay grounded, stay in the moment and execute. Um, it's not when you, when you're in the middle of the fairway that it, it matters most when you're, when you've hit a bad shot, buckling down and again, not making two mistakes in a row. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really well said. Um, you know, I've coached a lot of golfers, you know, you know, guys on mini tours and web.com and, and, and uh, Latin tour and so on. You know, the tendency sometimes, though, Jack, as I'm sure you know, is that in golf in particular is to get technical. Right. So how do you handle that? Like letting go of the technical and just, you know, go into the allowing or, or, or feel what's your what's your take on technical versus feel? Yeah, for sure. And I. And that's a great question. So on the range, I'm technical as anybody. I have the swing. I have the swing aids there. I have all these drills that I like to do. Alignment sticks out. That's where I'm technical. When you're practicing, you can be as technical as you want to be. You can get down to the degree at which you launch the golf ball, the, the way, your spin rate, your landing trajectory. All of those things can come into play when you're practicing. But when you get on the course, I always have this rule for myself. And I've had a lot more fun ever since I started applying this. You're not allowed to bring swing thoughts with you. You're not allowed to bring a, a, like, oh, I want to try to do this. I, I want to try to keep my hands higher. Or I want to try to lead more of my shoulder or whatever it is. When you get on the course, that's when I like feel to, to try to take over. But again, that's not it for everybody. But if you have to be technical, let it be on your first practice swing. Then if you're going to take a second one, let that one be feel. So the last yeah. thing you go into before your shot is a feel swing. I see so many people thinking over the their practice swings. Okay, I need, it's very mechanical. And you can see it when you see someone trying to, looking back at their hands or looking where they're at at the top. That's it's, it's a recipe for disaster. And you see a lot of the people on tour, they don't do that. You don't see that. You see very graceful practice swings. And yeah. They have everything honed in and, and, and locked in, but it, it, you're going to frustrate yourself if you try to bring a lot of swing thoughts to the course. So uh, if you have to, let it be on your first practice swing. But if, if you, but then the second one has to be feel. That's what I, and I play the game a lot around feel. When you putt, it has to be feel. If you're technical at all on a putting green, standing over it, it's very difficult to make three putts. Yeah, that's so well said. I mean, really, again, phenomenal perspective. I, I agree with that 100%, Jack. Um, absolutely amazing. What are the thoughts, you know, what else do you want to share while we got you here? You know, I, I mean, 
especially going through these times, I've, it, it's been tough kind of having my career as, I mean, it's funny, my career as a cheerleader ended prematurely. Didn't really get that closure. Didn't really say, get to say goodbye in person to all my college friends. Um, and everyone's going through something right now. And just to, to understand that and to be kind to the people around you. And just that little, that smile, again, through a mask now, it's tough. And, but just doing the little things for the people around you, again, a lot of people are spending time around their family that they haven't spent before. Taking your dog for that extra walk, taking, spending that extra time with your mom or dad or your brother or sister or your wife or your husband and appreciating the opportunity, the amount of time you have with the people that care about you. Um, I've, I didn't realize how much I took it for granted before, but now just really get this, these opportunities I'm never going to have again and trying to use this unique situation to better myself and to help the people around me get better too. So, yeah, I mean, that's again, better. makes you better. Again, phenomenal, phenomenally said, you know, one of the things I like to talk about a lot, Jack, is that, you know, I went through something devastating 13 years ago and I've learned to not take, um, anyone or anything for granted. It's how I live my life. You don't take people for granted. Uh, and that kind of attitude in a 22 year old is highly unusual. So again, I, I want to like acknowledge you for what I consider one of the best attitudes on the planet here. I think it could run for president. I, I, I would like to see you at least I don't want consider that, that possibility. I don't want that scrutiny, but I, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And again, it has come through hard work. It is not easy to, to get up and to be confident in yourself. And I've struggled with self-image issues for a long time. And every day I like to wake up and give myself a compliment. And it sounds kind of silly, but over time you start to believe it. And those compliments add up. And then once you start appreciating yourself, then you can really start appreciating the things around you. So, and, and this has all come, I again, what those meditation exercises, the grounding myself in traffic, those are the little things that I learned from you that laid the foundation for this mindset. And I'm, I'm very appreciative for it. Awesome, Jack. Absolute pleasure. Again, welcome to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett. I'm here today with Jack Kane. You've been absolutely phenomenal. And I will stay connected with you from now on. And good luck um, going forward. Sounds good, Dr. Brett. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm, I'll, I'm excited to come back whenever. But I, uh, All right, awesome. We'll, we'll definitely, definitely have you back. back. Because we need to have you back for when you're in a like, really yeah, intense yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the girl says to you, look, I'm sorry, but I just want to see this other guy. More money, but he makes more money. Or he's taller. <laughs> yeah, he's, got, he's a better golfer. Well, yeah, that, that would hurt the most. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, but yeah. that's highly unlikely. You're a plus two. That's highly unlikely. Hey, now I'm just a weekend warrior, so I'm fighting to keep it. It is so hard. Yeah, but that's extremely impressive, right? Most people, by the way, real quick, explain what a plus two is for the people that aren't golfers. So there's a, there's a guy, it's difficult. Handicap is calculated. Handicap index is calculated using a variety of scores, but generally I am around par to under par or one over two over par in that range, I'd say 80% of the time. And then I'll have those rounds where occasionally I suck. And then I'll have those rounds where I play fantastic. 
Um, but yeah, that's usually my general range there. And it, it's come through a lot of frustrating hours and, and effort on the range, but it, uh, it's, it's fun. It is fun. I'm not going to pretend it's not. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah absolute pleasure, man. We'll, we'll catch up soon. We'll do this again. Absolute, absolute pleasure. I hope I hope I keep the same attitude if something like that happens to me in a relationship. No doubt. No doubt. You're on your way. We, we're, we're behind you anyway. Hey, I, I'm more impressed with the, with the dads out there, the people with full-time jobs and a family that, uh, that can still play at any a sub ten handicap level. I will be shocked. Well, any kind of single digit, right? Is you know, if you can play a single digit, you're playing for real, right? You yeah, got some game. It's crazy, but yeah. Thanks again for having me. I had a great time. Awesome, Jack. Great seeing you. Thanks, pal. Thanks, Doctor Brett. Bye.